Find the Pattern Podcast. Make left traffic, clear for the option. Minneapolis departure, Archer 641, Charlie, Charlie, 2000, climbing 3000. Line up and wait, 7 range, Mark Alpha. Mark Tower, 172, Romeo Hotel, hold the code on the 133, ready to take off. I'm John. I'm Chris. I'm Brad. And I'm Mark. And we are the In the Pattern Podcast. Welcome to episode 72 of the In the Pattern Podcast. And Happy New Year. This is Chris. Along with me tonight, I've got John and Brad. Unfortunately, Mark's not along. For the ride this evening, but uh, we got three out of the four, and we just like to say uh, Happy New Year, and hopefully all you app geeks are uh, having a great time. How are you guys doing tonight? Hello, hello. Doing fine, doing fine. Excellent, excellent. Well, hopefully you've made some uh, amazing aviation uh, resolutions that you'll be able to uh, uphold. I have. What's that sound like? I want to fly again. Oh, I like it. I like the, I like the, I like what you're going. Can we get an entry in the logbook? <laughs> more more entries in the logbook than last year is always a good resolution. You know what? Yes. That's exactly what it is. I you know, I was told, I was always told when the kid's 3, I can take him up. So, you know what? This hey, year he turns in, 3. That's right. That's <laughs> I'm right. Current again, I'm doing it. Awesome. Way to be. Throw the little booster seat in there and go. Yeah, yeah. I know. Um, I know. Car seats uh, are such a pain in airplanes. I gotta yeah. Tell you. It, I don't know if I could trust him with that one though. <laughs> I know. I get it, but it, I'm just saying it's hard to even shut the damn door. Yeah, I bet. I bet it's probably easier in a Cessna than it is a low wing, um, Piper or Mooney or whatever. I imagine, but yeah, you know it would be. Because it would you have could, to be right. You, you can know, stand on the right side <laughs> and get him in. Well, because you got to get in first, and you're exactly. not climbing across the seat with with a car seat already in it. Booster seat, maybe, but probably not a full on car seat. You can do it, but it's really not all that much fun. <sighs> yeah. Well, well, I know. You can always uh, fly from the right seat and put him in the left. There you go. Nothing illegal wrong with that. I mean, no, it's perfectly legal. You're allowed. You don't have to be a CFI to fly in the right seat. Nothing in the far aim to say otherwise. Doesn't mean you'll be successful. But well, there is that. <laughs> I don't know how much I would, I'd want to try that out. <laughs> it's a different look. It's definitely a little different look. And it's the wrong hand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, that brings up the whole thing with, you know, like all, most fighter jets are always uh, sticking right hand thr- uh, throttle in the left. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, I don't know, I, I, the majority of people are right-handed, but, uh, you know, for those left-handed fighter jocks, you know, that's got to be something to get used to, number one. But I, but there's all kinds of GA planes where it's meant to be, because that throttle's in that center panel, right? Mm-hmm. You know? In the quadrant, yep. Yeah. So, that would be weird for me. It would, I'm sure it's something to get used to. Just like flying a Cirrus, you got your arm on the stick on the left, right? Correct. It's just, you, you'll get used to it over time, but. Cirrus seems to make more sense, though. Yeah, it's a lot of just fine wrist movements and stuff, I suppose. Yeah, and in the in the regs that you have to have dual flight controls, and it make, only makes sense then to put the throttle to have one throttle in the middle. Yeah, 
exactly. Yeah, um, I've only flown one airplane with a stick. Nope, I've flown two, I guess. Um, and uh, the throttle was on the left, and uh, stick was, you know, right. It, two sticks, one in the middle. I, it was a, it was the um, float plane that I flew in in uh, Seattle, which was a. Uh, um, a Husky, Avi- Aviat Husky on uh, on floats, and then I've flown a Champ. But and the Husky and the Champ are tandem. Yes, exactly. Right. So, but uh, yeah, ton of different ways to configure that, and uh, and I, 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 the tandem thing being center line, man, you really felt um like it was perfect right i mean you're at this you're at you're sitting in the cg of this plane basically right yeah that'd be sweet side by side a little different story i suppose so i don't know really how we got off on that subject but uh good intro nonetheless (laughs) (laughs) uh how about you brad any uh any any uh aviation resolutions well, I'm going to try to do a couple more big trips this year. I had two busts in 2018, um, trying to fly to uh, to North Carolina and trying to fly to Arkansas, mm. and both of those fell apart, uh, one due to weather and the other due to the, the plane needing a new engine. Um, so far, 2019 is not off to the finest start. Our Mooney has been down for several months because we cannot seem to locate a fuel pressure gauge for a Mooney M20J. Oh, I thought you were going to wow. say a pilot who won't bend the prop. <laughs> yeah, no, no, the prop is still attached and it, it's all you. there. <laughs> I'm sorry, the Moonies are always having problems. If you look through the titles of this episode, these episodes, it's right. always a Mooney. <laughs> it, well, yeah, the Mooney might There's not that. be the perfect club airplane. Um. But come on, <laughs> the, the M20J has got to be one of the most common make my or models of the Mooney. It seems like I see more I know. of those for sale than anything. Where are these? And you think with all these engine teardowns, there'd be at least a couple of them getting parted out, but um, no fuel pressure gauge to be found. And so I'm, I'm supposed to make a trip to Grand Rapids and here in January, and it's either going to be this weekend in the Saratoga, which means I have to go around Lake Michigan to get there, or I can do it in two weeks in the Mooney. If the pressure gauge is back and installed and in the Mooney, I, the glide ratio is so much better that I can go over Lake Michigan, and it cuts like a hundred miles off of the trip. Wow! Well, yeah. Wow. No uh, third-party option that you guys are thinking about. Well, you know, I'm I'm looking at those TBM nine thirties, but they still remain a little bit out of my price range. <laughs> no, I meant for for the gauges. Like, is there another way to go? It's. It's got to be STC. Yeah, but you know, isn't it's already they, got an? Uh, we've already put in a non-standard oil pressure gauge uh-huh. because those aren't technically required. Um, or is it temperature? No, it's oil temperature gauge. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's hmm. it's a real drag uh, trying to get trying to get these stupid parts, and they're when you can find them, they're of course insanely expensive. Yeah, I was thinking of like one of those. Um, kind of all-encompassing engine management computers that may, might have that option built into it? Well, we have a JPI. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, engine monitor in the plane, but that's not STC'd, right? It's mm. just, it's not, uh, it doesn't oh, count. I see, I see. So it shows fuel, pr- actually, does it show fuel pressure? No, it shows fuel flow. 
I don't mm-hmm. remember if it shows field pressure or not. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I was just looking at the analog gauge, but it's, mm. it's a drag. Yeah. Bummer. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Well, heck. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's been a few months since, uh, we've got to a podcast since then. Um, um, uh, I was just going to bring up that, uh, since last time, uh, John and I got to meet up, uh, in, in, uh, in DC for a little bit. Um, I was out there on a, uh, on a, on a, on a podcast, on a, on an IT conference. Um, and, uh, that was in Virginia. And, uh, since we were going to be out there for a few days, we just decided to kind of make a thing of it. And I invited the family and we went out for a few days before the IT conference started and, and hit up DC for all it was worth. Had a good time. Interesting city. Um, a whole lot more that, that, uh, that you could see versus the, the, you know, three days that we got to, uh, check it out. That's for sure. It's okay. You saw the only thing that's worth seeing. Well, there you go. So, yeah, <laughs> I hit up John. I go, how far are you from this place? And do you want to meet up? He's like, yeah, we could do that. So uh, you hopped the train and, and uh, brought your son and, and we met up over there at the, uh, at the um, air and space museum uh, in DC. Yeah. And uh, man, it's just that, that place is just like one museum after another, isn't it? Yeah. The malls, um, it, it's a different, different little area. Yeah. Um and I you know I've I've been down there a couple times since like grade school but for the most part I always go to the Air and Space Museum so like there's all these other museums and like I never never hit any of them up cuz well, now you got a kid. There you now go. You got a reason to keep yeah. going back to the Air and Space Museum. <laughs> <laughs> well, like uh <laughs> like growing up you you had field trips and stuff I suppose down that way. Yeah, we did um, like Natural History Museum and stuff like that, or the National Gallery of Art. I did a bunch of times in high school because I took a lot of humanities classes, so we went there a lot. But um, I the only place I really oh we went there too, didn't we? Well, did we go there together? No, we ended up going to the na- Natural History. Yeah, there's the American History, Natural History, Natural there's History, huh? African American History. There's there's a bunch of them now, and there's some ones I haven't been to before. Yeah. Um, we went to the Holocaust Museum. That's a great place to go if you really want to get be into. Bummed, bummed out for the rest of the day. That's hard to get into, but I haven't I haven't done that one yet. But yeah, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of stuff down there. But pr- pr- traditionally, for me, I, I've been going to the Air and Space Museum, and actually, I've been going to the 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 other one. Yes, um, which is by far better. The Uber you, you made it. You made it over there. Oh yeah. So. Um, so we, I, I forget what day we met up um, and, and went to and went to the air and space in D.C. and it was really cool. Um, it's a little smaller than I was thinking it was going to be, but heck, it's in the middle of the city, right? So you know how easy how easy is it to get some huge planes inside there? And they still do. Um, there's still some some amazing aircraft inside there, and it's well put together, and and uh, the crowds weren't too bad. Um, the price was right. <laughs> every all all the museums in dc are pretty much free there isn't uh, a whole lot it's, that charge if it's smithsonian it's uh yeah. it's free to get in because it's right. government taxes already when they're open it, right yeah i was gonna say not real open right now is it yeah, yeah no <laughs> probably not don't try don't try now mm-hmm. um the uh what's the big thing that's in there the limb um no the um not the limb i'm sorry the um uh what is it called? The Skylab. 
Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, they have the... Um, it's mostly the... Well, what is it? The second stage of the Saturn V. Yeah, right. That was repurposed for uh, to be a space station. And the cool yeah. thing with... The, uh, what I like about that one is you get to walk through it. Yeah, you can little, walk um, in and out of it. And, yeah. Yeah, they have a little walkway and stuff, and you get to walk in and kind of see it and everything. Yeah, it was... It was it was very cool. Um, I liked it, and like crowd, like I said, crowds wasn't bad, and and uh, there was there was quite a bit to see while you were there. It was um, better than I expected it to be, um, crowd wise. Yeah, um, I thought it'd be a little more packed. I mean, it was still there was a lot of people there, um, and that museum because it's so much more compact, you do feel the crowds more. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't bad. You're still able to kind of see everything, and yeah. For sure, I'd uh, yeah, it's 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 worth going to see. You know, if if you're in the area, for sure. I mean, um, there's a uh, a ton of things to do uh, down there. But if you're an av geek uh, like we are, you you got to hit it up and check it out. Um, but yeah, the uh, the Udvar-Hazy Air and Space Museum that's uh, just at Dulles Airport has got has got the uh, and they're both Smithsonian's. And so it's, some people probably don't know that, but they are both Smithsonian. They're uh, both Air and Space Museum. Space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but inside that one, you'll get SR-71. Uh, you'll get uh, an Air France Concorde. Um, the spaceship, uh, uh, what is it? Um, Cl- you can do it. You can do it. Is it Columbia? No. No, that's the no. one that, that went boom. I'm sorry. Discovery. Discovery, yes. They were gonna get um they were going to they they were slated to get Columbia because Columbia was the first. When Columbia broke up, it ended up being Discovery because um Discovery had the most miles traveled out of any of the other space mm. shuttles. So the the big thing with Smithsonian is they always get like the most important one. Yeah. Um so like the seven oh seven they have is the one that did the like the barrel rolls and stuff like that. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Um, they got the Enola <laughs> Gay, text. right? Yeah, yeah they got the Enola Gay, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it's all things. Uh, the Black Widow they have was um, did a bunch of stuff and then ended up working for NASA for years for like studying thunderstorms. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. That's why it has like all those like crazy antennas on it and stuff. Yeah. It It is. <laughs> is that the one that Bob Buck flew? What type is that? Which one? The, the, the Black the... Widow that you were talking about. But the... Um, Northrop P61C Black Widow. Yes. Okay. So if you've ever read Bob Buck's um, book, North Star Over My Shoulder, he was the pilot in command of the mission that flew that all around mm. the world looking at thunderstorms and trying to understand P-static. Huh. Yeah, I participated in cold weather tests, high altitude drop tests, and in the National Thunderstorm Project, which they replaced the top turret to make it monitoring equipment. Yep, since it's since it's winter and there's not a lot of flying going on, not that I'm bitter. Um, <laughs> it's a uh, North Star over my shoulder by Bob Buck. It's a great read. Awesome. It's uh, not quite as good as uh, Fate is the Hunter by Ernie Gann, but after you finish Ernie Gann's book, go read Bob Buck's. <laughs> I just love I just love the look of this plane. Oh man, this is such a cool looking plane. Yeah, and they just gave it to him. Yeah. <laughs> And they just nice. flew it all over the world. They're like, go find out about thunderstorms. <laughs> and so they flew it all over the world for like nine months. And they uh, they brought it back. And they're like, the worst thunderstorms in the world are right where we started in Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> 
Go it's figure. that crazy looking plane with that nose sticking out there like it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it they're, looks uh, fast actually for its goofy design. I, it must be because of the nose or something, but it looks like it's a fast plane. The Udvar Hazi Center was essentially they had like half of those airplanes they just had in storage for years, and finally mm-hmm. they were like, "We need space to put yeah. these somewhere." And then they just decided to build like three giant hangars and connect them all together. Essentially, <laughs> yeah. And there's a whole like a uh, uh, wing that's dedicated to just uh, restoration. You know, there's there's planes in various stages of rebuild. And yeah, that's um, that's relative. I mean, it's probably a couple years now, but that's relatively new. Oh, really? There was like um, pieces and parts of like um, um, rockets, rocket engines, um, uh, space capsules, and stuff like that sitting on one section. So yeah, so that whole back because like when you walk in, it's like a kind of a, a you know, it's a hangar arch like hangar way, and you mm-hmm. kind of walk in, and then it opens up. Um, when you walk out to the front, right, and you see the SR-71 right in front of you, and you just see, like, it just opens up to this SR-71. I think there's a pits above you or something, or a, a um, American Eagle, or, or I forget what it is. There's, like, one or two that are kind of, like, inverted up above you. <laughs> and then you walk out to the SR-71. I think there's a Mustang and something else that kind of flanks it. And then you just see Discovery straight through behind. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, look right, and it's just a ton of military airplanes. And yeah. then you look left, and it's just a ton of, like, military and then commercial airplanes and a Concorde and everything else. I mean, it's just this ginormous expanse of everything you could ever imagine. I lusted over their F-14 Tomcat for a little while. <sighs> Love that. That one, mm-hmm. yeah, I do too. And um, yeah, it was really neat seeing uh, Art Scholl's um, um, Chipmunk. Um, mm-hmm. Is uh, I, I used to have a an RC model of that replica right there, and I, I used to fly the heck out of that thing. I love the Chipmunk. Just a ton of amazing uh, aircraft there. The Flying Wing. That Black Widow is directly behind the Flying Wing. I don't have a good picture of it, or I'd send it to you. Um, Brad, you could, you, I'm going to send you a picture anyways, uh, in our little, uh, chat text we got going on here real quick and you'll see, you'll be able to tell that's what it was, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's a fantastic museum. Um, and I, I was, I was there for three hours. It seemed like it went by so fast, uh, that I, we, we basically closed the place down. I, uh, I took my guys from work. What was funny is that, uh, I think our, uh, our conference was, um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I picked them up at the airport on Monday, or maybe it was a uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, yeah, I think it was Sunday afternoon. I picked them all up at the airport, and then Monday, m- Monday we went and uh, went and did the uh, Air and Space Museum together. So that was cool. They all liked it. They had a ball too. That is a cool looking bird. Yeah, you can kind of get. Uh, you can kind of tell that it's behind that, that yellow flying wing. <laughs> so anyways, uh, that was, uh, that was, uh, in, um, October, I think it was. Yeah. Sometime in October while we yep. were there. Pretty fun. Pretty fun. The, before the, uh, before the, um, 
end of the year uh, before it got too cold and icy? Did you get a chance to do some uh, some flying, Brad? Um, I've I've been up a little bit. I got up in uh, in December, uh, just around Christmas time. Just grabbed a plane. It was a beautiful day and launched and uh, and just flew around a little bit. And I I did some practice of the impossible turn. Um, oh, fun! I went and flew over a thousand feet above uh, one of the local runways here, and then initiated a climb and was climbing out at you know uh, VY and pulled the throttle back and then shoved the nose over and did a 45 degree bank to try to get the plane back uh, to the airport. And I, from a thousand feet, it's quite doable. Um, mm-hmm. You could probably do it from 700 feet, but at our airport, we've got suburbs right up to the fence and mm. you'd be skimming the rooftops, man. If, if anything went wrong, it would be, it would be a pretty ugly situation. Usually it's highly, highly inadvisable. Anything below 500 and, and much, you know, you got a thousands where you can start really thinking about it should be doable. Right. Yeah. I don't think I would even try it. Well, I, I guess I could go out and do it in the Saratoga and see what it would do um, with the gear up and the flaps up from a thousand feet. You might be able to make it back. But the thing, e- even doing a power off 180 from a thousand feet, you have to turn at the numbers. Yeah. And then you barely make the runway. And the thing is, it's more than 180 after it's all said right. and done. Yes. Because You're you doing gotta a, S, uh, you got to S turn your way back into the runway. It's like a 240 or something. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're lucky that we have crosswind runways. And so if you make the turn, if you're flying off 3-2 going northwest, if you make the turn to the right, you can make, um, you can make runway 2-4 go in the other direction. And it's, it's not that bad. Um, it's 80 degrees off. And so you can make the loop, um, and, and make it back around, but, uh, and it's only, it's not that bad of a turn, but if you're, if you've got to try to make, and we've also got parallel runways. Mm. Um, but if you've got, uh, anything else, man, it, I I don't, in the Saratoga, I think you just kind of have to hope, uh, that you're not going to hit anything uh, too expensive, or at least (laughs) you're going to put it between two parked cars and rip the wings off. There you go, or like that one that one uh, plane did, just like chuck it into a tree. Chuck it into in, a tree or... in the parking lot. Did you you've seen that right? Yeah, <laughs> there was one that uh, that made the rounds in 2018. They hit they hit like a light a stoplight, and that tore open the fuel tank. It was a <laughs> it was a Cherokee 235, oh. and it tore open the fuel tank, and all of the fuel came out and ignited. But the plane kept going. So it's just this fireball going down the road? It was this huge fireball that just poured down into the street, but then it was gone. Like it, it all burned up before it hit the ground. Mm. And the plane kept going and they walked away basically without a scratch. Um, but, you know, no fuel. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was really happened last year, uh, late last year. Remember when that, uh, that Texan, that T6 Texan landed in that uh, highway on Cal- in California? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And uh, he put it down on a busy highway in California um, and uh, managed to get out of it and everything was okay. I mean, uh, he, you know, I think the plane, 
like I might have hit something there towards the end, but and and got damaged and stuff. But overall, I mean, he did a fantastic job, and no cars were even damaged, and it was just a miracle. Didn't it catch fire and burn? Yeah, that's right. It did. It hits. It hit something, or or it just ripped open the tank. Or maybe in the it process. was. I don't yeah, know. But it, it, it did. That's t- the one that burnt. Yeah, it did get it torched. Now that I think about it, you're right. Yeah, but he managed to get out of it before before and, and uh yeah that was nuts i mean because there was so much traffic around that the, the the finding the space and the sequencing and speed to put it down and not hit another car is it's pretty lucky so yeah well hopefully what, what did you fly that day when you were up did you just grab the archer or something or yep i just grabbed an archer and uh it, it it's so fun to fly <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's like, there's nothing to do. There's no gear. Mm-hmm. You don't have to mess with flaps on climb out. You don't have cowl flaps or, you know, uh, prop to adjust or anything else. It's just like, easy, uh, easy. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's relaxing. Of course you don't <laughs> go anywhere, but <laughs> not anywhere fast, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's a lot of fun to fly and it's, it's nice to just kind of get back to basics. Yeah. I, I did that. have to, um, the that particular plane has I, I don't know why the the crankcase breather tube um a lot of condensation blows out of it from blow by past the pistons gets into uh-huh. the gets into the crankcase and then it comes out this breather tube um which is all well and good except that when it's below freezing um which it kind of is a lot around here this time of year um it freezes in the tube and so we have to, we have a big long metal rod that we shove up this breather tube as part of the pre-flight to, to pull all the ice out. And it, it's really? an incredible amount of ice. Huh. Um, and if you don't, the oil can't, there, there's nowhere for the blow-by to get out of the crankcase. Um, and so the oil all gets ejected and then the plane stops flying shortly thereafter because yeah. the prop stops turning. That's not a good thing. No, it's huh. slow. It, uh, yeah, there's there's not even enough time to let the uh, engine warm up and just like uh, melt it out or whatever, huh? So you just do that ahead of time. Yeah, you just do it on the ground and and then it's not a problem. Um, except we, it's it's a lot better since we remove the aero oil separators from all the planes. Um, we do go through a bit more oil, but um, it it. That air oil separator slowed down the air enough that it got a better, more chance to freeze the freeze the water out of it in the pipe um, when you're in flight. But this way, it doesn't seem to be as much of a problem. Yeah. Now here we are out here. It's uh, currently um, uh, January 9th as we record this, and um, man, it's it's uh, it's ideal flying weather out here for us. I mean, even right now, it's only you know, 50 degrees or so. So, I mean, during the day we're hitting sixties and seventies. Well, heck it's 59 degrees right now. So yeah, um, right now it's 12 <laughs> Fahrenheit here. And at, that's actually pretty warm for this time of year. <laughs> we have yet to drop below zero. Wow. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. It's, it's actually been fairly warm here. We have almost no snow on the ground. Um, and yeah, it, it's just been a freaky, freaky winter. Aren't we supposed to get some polar vortexes soon to change all that? Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Not nothing's coming this way anytime soon. 
Mm. Yeah, it's usually, uh, I think it usually sends it our way. <laughs> we we had one of those weird days where it was super cold down here and uh, they had little skiffs of snow and Scottsdale and a few other areas around town where people were videoing it snowing. It's just enough to make the ground slightly white, you know, but not enough to actually stick and accumulate in for any measurable amount. But everybody's always amazed when that happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. But yeah, now's now's just fantastic flying weather as far as performance for the airplane feels so so much more snappier because it's got that nice cold weather. Um, oh yeah, the Archer was climbing out at at uh, twelve hundred feet a minute. I mean, yeah, <laughs> just not insane. too shabby. Yeah, <laughs> not too shabby. Yeah, um, I you know up up at altitude. If I wanted to go to Flagstaff or uh, Sedona, I'm I'm you know I'm sure it's in the twenties and thirties getting there. But uh, around here in the valley, not too bad. So I, uh, uh, I, I'm supposed to be going flying with a buddy of mine here pretty soon. I think he's going to text me this week and we might, uh, head out and do a flight, uh, uh, either this weekend or sometime next week for sure. So looking forward to that. Um, I did my, uh, annual pil- pilgrimage to, uh, Catalina Island via Pomona, California, as usual for Thanksgiving. Nice. Unfortunately, uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't um, quite the production we were hoping it to be. I mean, there's always this excitement of getting a bunch of people together and meet me at Pomona, but um, only Bill was able to make it from uh, from uh, San Diego. I can always count on Bill. He's right down the road. It's a quick like 35 minute flight for him to get up to Pomona from uh, San Diego. So uh, that I can always count on him to show up. Uh, unfortunately, Mark uh, and uh, and uh, Keith up in uh, Sacramento um, wasn't able to make it due to the weather. Um, they kind of got weathered out uh, to make it down. It would have been an IFR trip, and so they weren't able, were able to do it. We'd got some rain the night before, and uh, and so there were still clouds lingering in the area and stuff uh, on the day that we left. Um, but uh, and then Andy and Franz were supposed to come, and neither one of them were able to make it from the Phoenix side either. So it was just uh, just Bill and I. Um, I got I grabbed a few people from uh, from camp and and had them come along with me. And and uh, so this is kind of a bummer and kind of a funny story. And and um, and uh, at the same time, it was a good learning lesson. So we're getting in the plane, getting everything, and. Uh, getting everything set up to leave, and my uh, tablet slides off of the wing of the plane onto the ground face down and shatters. Oh, no. And the plane doesn't have a moving map. It's got an old Garmin, like, 250, 260, whatever, and it doesn't even work. So I I don't even need to mention that it's in there because it's in op. Doesn't do any. When you turn it on, the screen goes nuts, but it doesn't ever like warm up and show you us show you anything. So, so I was like, "Well, crap! Now I don't have." And and so it was still on, but it wouldn't recognize where I would touch on the screen. It was it was cracked so much that the touch sensitivity was so far gone that it wasn't useful at all. <clears throat> but um, but uh, um. Bill, I mean, um, yeah, um, was able to loan me an iPad. He had an extra iPad with him. So um, I, got an, I got an extra iPad for him, so I had a moving map. Um, and there's, and like I said, there's clouds all around, so we're, we're going to have to dodge some clouds. Um, we normally fly over there at about 
4,500 feet. Um, so we take off out of, uh, out of Pomona. Um, Bill takes off first and I took off after him <clears throat> and, um, and I make, you know, my left-hand turn, my, my east or my westbound turn towards the island and get, uh, transferred over to SoCal. And, um, I'm just kind of, uh, bombing along and, and, but the, the iPad's not showing me where I'm at. It, it's not picking up that I'm in a plane and I'm moving somewhere and I'm messing around with everything on this thing, but I'm not familiar with four flight either. I don't know. I don't use four flight. So I don't know the intricacies of it. You know, I, I shut the app down. I turn it back on and all this stuff. Nothing, nothing's happening to show me my, my movement across the map. So I, again, I don't know where I'm at. Um, and here I am in, in SoCal airspace, you know, changing frequencies every 60 seconds, it seems like. And then, and I'm, I'm trying to dodge these clouds. I'm at like 3000 feet. I'm trying to get to 4,500, um, to get above them. Hopefully that I can get above them. And, and I'm, I'm moving left and right, trying to get around them. And at the same time going, man, I hope I ain't breaking some airspace around here. I know how chopped up it is, right? Cause I've done this a few times and I'm pointing in the general direction in which I think the Island is. You know, I'm like 30 miles from the coast and the island's another 30 miles off the coast. So it's a simple trip. Do you have visual contact with anybody else? With, with Bill who took off ahead of me? Yeah. No, I've lost him. I've lost him. So SoCal says to me, um, uh, 909 Romeo, um, are you going to turn towards the island anytime soon? <laughs> well, there's a hint. <laughs> and so... First thing goes through my mind. Well, I guess I'm not pointed at the island as much as I thought I was. Um, and I, I reply back. I said, "I said, SoCal approach, down on Romeo. Yeah, um, I'm just trying. I'm dodging some 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 weather here. Just trying to get around some clouds. And I'd like to climb to 4,500 as soon as I can. But I got some clouds in the way. It'll be a few minutes. By the way, I'm having a little problem with my GPS. Can you give me a vector to the island? Nice. That's exactly <laughs> the right thing to do. <laughs> No problem, nine or nine Romeo. Make heading, blah blah blah, and I <laughs> and they pointed me directly at uh, at the island. And then after I had my bearings of the island, I was no longer concerned with breaking airspaces or this or that. I'm on with SoCal. They're going to keep me safe uh, to a certain extent uh, with aircraft and other airspaces and stuff like that. And uh, and so I finally was able to climb and uh, get to the coast and and uh, I could see the island. So um, I um, foregoed uh, flight following since I could see the island and and uh, got on air to air and tried to bring up Bill, but uh, I couldn't. I never heard him, and and he had kind of got a little bit of a head start on me, anyways, because right off the bat he was able to point towards the island and I wasn't. So his, his he 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 flew a let's say a, a more direct route than I did. And so uh, I switched over to the frequency for the island and, and I heard Bill, I picked up him. I could tell he was, a, um, you know, about the time I was halfway between um, the coast and uh, the island, he was already at two harbors getting ready to, to make a left turn to head towards downwind. Um, so he, he had like a good mm, 10 or 15 minute head start on me. So, but after that, that was all good. I was able to uh, uh, make it to the island with uh, no no uh, no problems, and um, we had uh, 
we had a uh, had a nice uh, buffalo burger, and then I get a text from Franz. Hey, I'm on my way. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to experience the nice the nice old runway for one last time. Yes, for the last time. Yes, uh, um, what Brad's alluding to there is they are they are going to uh, resurface and fix the runway finally this year. In fact, in fact, right now it's closed. I believe already. I think it's already done. Uh, not not finished, but it's going to be closed now until April. And who is it? Is it the the Marines and I think the Navy yeah. are doing it. Yeah, rebuilding um, the runway. And the reason why they are doing it is because it acts as a training op for them. For like, if they get deployed somewhere and they have to fix some sort of airstrip or unimproved runway to you know, make it available for their aircraft to land on. So I think it's in some sort of conjunction to where they get the experience out of it and the island gets maybe the free labor and has to pay for the materials or something like that. So it's, it's a win-win for everybody other than it's going to take like four months to, to get it done. So, um, so yeah, uh, Fran, I, I get a hold of Franz and he's like, yeah, I'm in Fresno. I had to uh, drop off a, a part for a car at some place and I'm heading over there. At this point, we've already been on the island for a few minutes and I think we already had our, our food served to us. We haven't ate yet, but um, we've received our food and I'm like, well, how long is it going to take you? He's like, I'll be there in 20 minutes. So sure enough, him and uh, him and his son show up and, uh, and uh, shortly after he shows up, I mean, the wind's picking up, right? We'd been there for... A good hour and a half now I'd guess at this point and the winds really really picking up um, it was uh, I think Adis at the time I was I was we were leaving was something like uh, 19 gusting 20 something and pretty much um, about an 80 to 90 degree crosswind um, on takeoff and that's getting getting real. Well, there's this front coming in, and we can see it. And the decision to leave in that weather was either we leave now or you don't leave the island today. Because <laughs> um, operations for the island shut down at, I'm probably getting this wrong, but I'll say 6 o'clock for the day. I can't remember exactly, but it's something like that to where there's no more takeoffs or landings allowed after a certain time of day. <clears throat> and you know it's November, so it gets darker earlier, right? So we're le- it's it's like four o'clock or something, and we're like we got we better get going. So it's either now or never. So it's uh, it's one of those things where Bill takes off in front of me again, and and then I take off. I, I look what he's doing. I'm like, okay, I have an idea what the plane's probably going to do when I take off. Now you know, I got the wing into the wind and give it the beans and head down the runway and get airborne um, fairly, you know, normally. And then, you know, it's trying to push me back down into the runway. <laughs> I'm trying to climb out of it. And that, then I make my right turn and turn into the wind, grab some altitude and head back out to sea uh, towards the coast. Uh, and then, of course, while we were at lunch there, Bill, I told Bill about the whole iPad thing. And he's like, oh, well, you just have to hit this button in the top corner. Do you know what he's talking about? The yeah, yeah, the take me to show me where I am button. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, then it will place you where you're supposed to be and pick you up. Okay, cool. He goes, so I'll meet you back at Pomona and you can give me back the iPad there. I'm like, okay. Sure enough, it doesn't work again. It still doesn't do it. 
And I'm like, son of a... <laughs> like, what is it with you and Apple devices? They know. They just they know. We have a mutual dislike for each other, apparently. I don't know, man. I was like, are you kidding me? So I'm like, all right, well, finding an island shortly off the coast of uh, of California, off of Long Beach, not that hard to spot. Trying to find an airport in the concrete jungle of SoCal, not the same thing, you know? And like, I know, like when I'm heading back, I'm going to head towards, um, I'm going to head towards, uh, the, um, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, oh, I was going to say the pier. There's an air force base right there. And, um, Long Beach, the Long Beach area. I know where that is. Mm-hmm. And if I keep heading in this general direction, I'm going to see Disneyland. And I did once I'm past that. No idea now how much further it is to Pomona or where it is. So I do the same thing with, uh, yeah, so Cal, I'm having a little problem with my GPS. Would you mind giving me a heading to uh, Pomona? No problem. <laughs> so they give me the heading and and then they told me one more time. I said, oh, they said, okay, no, 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 Romeo, it's, uh, it's uh, seven miles at 12 o'clock. I said, okay, I'll let you know when I got them in sight. And in you know a couple of more minutes, I had them in sight, and they transferred me off to uh, to tower and landed back at Pomona. And I it was the most stressful flight to uh, to Catalina and Black back that I've ever had in my life. But it uh, it was fun. It just wasn't as much sightseeing as I normally do. <laughs> yeah, those are good learning experiences. Yeah, yeah, a little more a little more dicey, and and I had people I, I had. Um, um, some of our good friends who, who none of them, and I had one of the, this, uh, one woman and her child, uh, one of her boys, she has three boys, three boys and a girl. And I, and I've got her with her oldest son and he's, um, what's he about eight or nine, you know, and, uh, and this other girl with me and none of them's ever been in a small plane before. So I don't know if I ruined them, but, uh, I tried not to let on that, <laughs> I was slightly freaked out at the time, um, but uh, it, it, it was it was fun. But like you said, a learning experience at the same time. Looking forward to 2019's uh, adventure out there. <laughs> Hopefully, a little less uh, exciting. Uh, and and and, Fr- and poor Franz. I mean, he barely made it to the airport, and we're like, guy. Uh, I was like, dude, I'm sorry, but we got to leave in like 15 minutes. This front's coming in. You probably saw it when you were getting ready to land. He goes, yeah, and it was it was it was dicey for him for the landing too with all that wind. So he basically had to choke down his burger and left too. It wasn't quite uh, quite the meetup that I had uh, had planned. Well, better safe than than sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was almost one of those days that, uh, you know, better to be down here wishing you were up there than up there wishing you were down here type of thing. Yeah, I do know those days. Yeah. So, anyways, um, all the girls and uh, and, and, and even, uh, even uh, her young son had a ball. I mean, he even wrote a paper on it for school when he got back that it was, <laughs> oh, the, nice. mo- it was, it was the most fun – uh, he had ever had at Thanksgiving his whole life. He even remembered the tail number of the airplane and everything. So <laughs> I think it made an impression on him. He had a blast. So get him into a civil air patrol squadron. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's gonna be down. He's gonna be down for some flying in the future, I'm sure. 
So, anyways, that was uh, that was fun and exciting. I just I you know I just can't wait for the day that uh, that I get to tell Michelle. It's like I don't know. One of you is going to have to pick to drive the trailer and truck down there, and I'll I'll give you guys a three hour head start. I'll be in the plane. You know, I'll be flying <laughs> flying my own plane over there. So yeah, I can't wait for that day. Uh huh. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Keep right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that'll be good. Um, the cool thing about Thanksgiving also was that we changed, um, um, camping areas where we normally camp. We normally camp at the KOA that's in Pomona and it's, you know, it's your standard KOA. Um, and this time we stayed at a, uh, a different, uh, campground. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but literally it's, it's on it's it's attached to the end of the runway basically of the airport and there's a lake on another side of it and a golf course on another side of it it was like it was beautiful um so went went golfing one day with my daughter my son-in-law and and a couple other people from our uh, from our camp group um that was a blast and we rode our bicycles all around rode our bikes over to the airport had had like 20 people from our camping um area like uh walk over and uh, watch me take off uh with everybody so that was fun so i think everybody had a good time there we plan on uh, using that place from now on as long as we stay in uh, the pabona area that is very cool Mm-hmm. so but unfortunately for me that's that's the last time i've put my butt in a plane was uh the week of thanksgiving so Hopefully we'll get uh, 2019 started off right here soon. Sooner than I've been in one. Mm. It's a shame. Mm-hmm. We won't if grind. Only there was something it. that you could do. I know. I'm thinking uh, spring or summer. I should be able to to get the time to start working on the the BFR or the flight review. I guess now. Winter's due. Man? Uh, last January. <laughs> Ow. Yeah. I got my medical done again. I I ended up doing the class three. Oh, you, you did? Yep. The Saratoga doesn't have, uh, doesn't have the STC for only six seats. So uh, even though we only oh, have yeah. six seats, I can't fly it under basic med. Mm-hmm. Cause that has the seven, right? It's registered for seven. Yeah. I'm uh I think I'm up in a year and I'll probably at that point I'll just um so I have no reason to keep a a 3 right now. Well, I tell you right now just depending on who your AME is or if you use the same one um well let's see are um yeah. I did not like the AME I had last time. Well, the ones I had in the past was i mean you know they take your vitals uh can you fog a mirror uh, they here lay down on the on the thing and they poke around on your stomach and let me hear you breathe i mean give me 80 bucks and see you in a few years i mean 80 bucks would be nice <laughs> really yeah yeah no it's like a buck 30 oh i was over 100 for me wow so i just I mean, I, I just went to my regular, my regular uh, doctor that I that I've been seeing recently, um, and and did the basic med. 
But the basic med, and we went through this last year, was way more invasive than than the class three had ever been. So I don't know. It just depends. I um, I already do a physical every year, so for me to just hand them the paper and and do all that kind of stuff it just seems just have it done at the same time Uh, yeah i'm already going all the time so it's like i had my my annual physical uh done in like march and then came back in i think it was like june or july and did did this uh did this class three medical or i did i mean the basic med and so i basically had to do the whole thing all over again and then some, of course, because mm. it's it it it's even beyond a regular physical, in my opinion. I don't know. We'll see. I may, um, I guess, depending, I could just do it this year too, because it shouldn't be anything extra. Yeah, if you're going to have a physical, anyways, might as well. Yeah. So, because um, I got one coming up in February, so maybe I'll look into into what's involved, and then I can report back on my experience on that too so un, you're still under 40 i'm still five years yeah yeah you still got the five-year thing going for you so i'm on four now and change mm. mm-hmm. gotcha but technically yeah if i do it now then i would be good on basic med for a year right you have to do it every year yep they just wrap it into your physical every year so I think that's what most people would probably do since that's yeah. what you're going to see. So it would actually, I should do it this year because the next time would be after my medical expires. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I might just do that and then I'm good. My whole reason for doing it was because of that whole thyroid thing I had, I had been going through and I'm still going through. I just figured it would be easier because my do- my primary care physician already knows about it because he's the one who's been treating me. Well, I've been going to a to a um, um, en- endocrinologist. I've been going to see an endocrinologist for it, but but he knows the medication I'm on and all that. So uh, I I thought it would be less paperwork or less chance of anything being denied going this route. But come to find out this, it's not that big. I I read about it and it's really not that big a deal. It's, it's, uh, it's not one of those meds that you have to get an act of Congress to stamp your uh, logbook and say you're okay or something like that. It's not that big a deal. So, and I think here before too long, I'm going to be on some meds to uh, just take it to it just will destroy your thyroid altogether. And then you'll be on a synthetic, it's some sort of medication that eradicates your thyroid over like a six month period of time. All of my, all of my numbers have come back all normal since I've been on these meds as far as the, my thyroid numbers. And due to that, I've gained like 15 pounds. Thank you very much. So, Yeah. It, it basically turned me from uh, hyperthyroidism to hypothyroidism. I think <laughs> now I uh, now I gain weight a lot easier. I've now now moved up to the largest pair of pants I've ever worn in my life. Uh, I just bought a, a 36 waist the other day. I've been a 34 or 32 for the longest time, and I still have them in my closet, mind you. I will wear them again one day. <laughs> You'll get there. You'll get there. <laughs> We want that extra useful load, right? That's what you got to think. Useful load, more gas, more people. So 
anyways, um, that's that's about it on my side for uh, for flying. Um, any other flights uh, for you, Brad? That you were you wanted to talk about? Uh, I don't have a ton. Like I said, I'm going to try to make it to Grand Rapids in the next few weeks. Uh, I need to get night current before that, which will probably end up having to be tomorrow. Um, but night is, you know, we're a month past the solstice, so it's it. I think sunset is probably about four forty-five or so. Uh, right now, so it's not mm. hard to get night current. Nope, just head out after work, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah, and that, uh, pick up a plane to go. There you go. I I've been thinking about doing the same thing. As a matter of fact, right before we went to um, California, I I went and went and got night current because um, I was wanting to take just go grab a couple of my guys after work and have meet me at the airport and go for a quick night flight. So I did go do that. That's the only other other flying I did was that, but uh, and that was kind of freaky because it had, uh, at that point my previous flight was uh, June, so it had been I don't know if that's right or not. I might be off on that, but it had been it had been like three months since I'd flown before, and and now I'm getting in. I'm going to go do a night flight, and I got to the airport plenty ahead of time. Um, in order to, I wanted to, uh, do some, uh, touch and goes while it was still just, um, just, uh, sun going down, you know? Um, but, uh, the instructor was out with the student and had the plane and he got back a little bit late. So it was, it was just plain dark when I took off, but I still went and did, uh, I did two touch and goes and then, then five landings to a full stop. And those first two touch and goes was, it, it was a little unnerving for me because it had been a while since I've been in a plane and here it is night, you know? Yeah. No, it's, there's a reason they have you do them. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Takes a few to get comfortable with. Yeah. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's been a while, but actually, uh, I, I flying with bill. Um, I was like, you know what? Actually, I think I'm, I think I'll, I'll be fine. <laughs> came back it came back pretty nice now granted i didn't do any landings but i was able to fly a plane at least a little bit there you go in the cherokee six with them yeah yeah so we'll see we'll see how it goes i got a lot of studying to do too how long is that flight to grand rapids from uh crystal uh in the in the saratoga or the mooney it's about two and a half hours Oh, or cool. or ten hours in the car. Sure, just like me to first flight. <laughs> <laughs> you what? The first flight. Oh, uh huh. About the yeah. same. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just so much simpler. Um, you know, you got Chicago in the way, and you've got all this. You know, I if I take the Saratoga this weekend, it'll be going over the Chicago Bravo. Um, so I'll just fly over that at eleven five. Um, in the, if I go on the Mooney in two weeks, if it's available, it'll be over the pond at 11.5. Uh, cause then that keeps me in gliding range of the shore the whole time. Uh, you do not want to end up in Lake Michigan in January. Probably any time, but especially in the winter. <laughs> it is yeah. in the summertime. <laughs> at least you can find a boat and put it down right you know, near a boat. But in yeah. the wintertime, you're not going to find anything. 
Yeah. And it's not survivable. Yeah. You got to be, you got to have your raft in a Gumby suit. <laughs> yeah. So I looked up the, looked at the POH and looked at the glide ratio, you know, the, the altitude for glide and added another 1500 feet onto it. And I'm like, okay, this, this altitude I can, I will never be out of gliding range of shore. Yeah. Well, at least a low wing plane will float for a little while on, 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 uh, on water, unlike a high wing. Yeah. <laughs> so you have long enough to, <laughs> to, uh, yeah. kiss your butt. Do what? Die. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> get nasty get looks your, from your passengers. Yeah. Get your survival raft out, get it blown up and board the raft. Phone call the, uh, the coast guard. Sure. Yeah. That should, that should work fine. Because it's zero degrees out and the ice is freezing to the outside of the raft. and Perfect. Yeah. Well, maybe if it freezes anyway. fast enough to the airplane, it'll stay floating, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'll give you another secondary raft. To... <laughs> yeah. yeah. It don't work that way. Uh, well, hopefully you never get to uh, experience that. For no, sure. well, it's, it's directly in my control. Yes. So. Right. <laughs> I can choose to fly very high altitudes over the pond or go around it. Yeah. And that's just fine. I guess I could probably fly over it in the Saratoga, but I'd be at like 17.5. <laughs> so wow. I've got an O2 cylinder, so. Yeah, there you go. You know, it's doable, but. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't blame you there. <laughs> You'll spend as long probably getting up to that altitude, right? <laughs> well, I wouldn't have around. time to get getting down would be the problem, right? Oh. I have to start my descent over the lake in order to get down in time to actually make it to Grand Rapids. Um, but uh, getting up, it's a long ways. Well, like having to climb that far, you might as well just go around at that point, right? It, it, yes. It, it, it really it begs the question of what the heck are you just doing? Like just go around the pond anyway, by the time you're, it's not like that plane is real fast at seventeen five. So, um, just go around and, and not the turbo Saratoga. Yeah, no, no turbo. It's just a, just a normal, normally aspirated engine. Yeah. Uh, it's not sure. 100, 140 knot plane, not 170 knot plane. It's it's 154, but it's, oh, is it? Uh, okay. Yeah, it's a it's true out at 154. And oh, it's about fine. the same as about the same as the Mooney then. But it, it is. It's exactly the same as the Mooney. It just um, weighs 500 pounds more or whatever. Yeah, and it it uh, it doesn't have the glide the glide ratio. The Mooney is so much cleaner. It yeah. It, uh, it glides about 20 percent farther. But you can fit like three Moonies worth of stuff in it. it yes, sure. absolutely. Like <laughs> yeah. the back seat, you can fit the dog and the person and another person and, and another dog. And a spare Mooney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's, it, there are lots of upsides to the Saratoga. You guys get, you guys get it, got to get a twin in that club. You know, a couple of guys back before the, the dot com bubble burst. A bunch of guys got together and bought a Seneca two. Okay, good um, plane. In like 1999. Mm-hmm. In great timing. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then the bottom fell out. Yeah. Um, so that didn't pan out so well for them. I've got that's twice the opportunity to bend a prop. <laughs> you know, you ain't gonna bend a prop in one of those. No. 
No. A buddy of mine's got got one of those. Um and they have uh they have the exact same um turbo engine in it that the uh the the M20K the Turbo Mooney does the yes. Continental. Yeah, it's, it's that same 360 engine. with turbo. Yeah. Yep, 220 horsepower peak. Two of them. <laughs> so yep. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a nice quick airplane. It'll haul a bunch and it'll go fast and it'll go high. Um, so, but uh, expensive to operate. Yeah, they come out about two fifty an hour is the operating expense uh, when you put in the engine reserve and and of course you're burning twice the gas. Yeah, well that ain't too bad. Uh, I mean, Franz charges himself two hundred dollars an hour for flying his Mooney. And he said he's never had any reserve at the end of the year after charging himself that much for every hour he's flown that thing. Wow. That's rough. Yeah. So he's still got to cough up 25 grand for the engine or 35 grand for the engine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when that time comes, so turbos ain't cheap. No, man. And as much as I would love to have one being out here, like in the plane that I would want, I'd, I'd love to have a turbo engine also because of the mountains and stuff but i mean hey you know your standard uh, cessna 172 gets up to flagstaff you know just the same maybe not as fast but uh it can do it on a carbureted engine yeah hot day in july when the density altitude's uh 11 or twelve thousand feet maybe not a good idea to go flying but you know just make different plans that day <laughs> yeah Don't. exactly you just make it's I, this is the time of year. December is the time of year every year where I start looking at airplanes hard. Yeah, I, just like oh, I need, I can't get out of here. None of these club planes have are certified for flight and no ice. Yeah, and um, you know the Saratoga will carry ice, but the Mooney won't carry anything. You know, it's got that super thin wing, and yeah, it's got a very clean airfoil. Yeah, it'll fall right out of the sky once you dirty it up with some ice. So you just don't, you just don't mess. And even with the Saratoga, you just can't do a long range flight in the wintertime because it, it just somewhere along the span of four or 500 miles, there's going to be weather mm, and yeah. it's going to be icy. Um, and so I always get bitter about December because I can't fly anywhere <laughs> and I start looking at airplanes and I'm like, I should get something with Fiki and I should get yeah. you know, Seneca 2. Uh, it, they're super cheap right now um, to buy. Yeah, you got the hot boots on the prop and the and the boots on the wings and the and you got a hot windshield and the whole yep. deal with the plate. And, yep. Um and and you can do it all and it's just like man, <laughs> I can <laughs> buy a lot of first class airline tickets for the cost <laughs> of that airplane. <laughs> true, true. But could you imagine it being iced up so bad that you got to turn on that plate on the windshield, then trying to look through that area? Oh, absolutely. Now, if people don't know what we're talking about, I, mean, I imagine most people do. Describe what this thing looks like. It's so it's basically it looks like a, a if you took a stack of eight and a half by eleven paper, uh, but made out of glass. So it's a it's okay. a glass slab about eight and a half by eleven. It's got a black frame around it, and you bolt it onto the windshield. Uh, and it's got a wire that goes down to the alternator and it heats up that section of windshield so that any ice that gets on it will, will drip off the top. It will get blown off the top so that you can still see. And uh, I, feel, I can I tell feel you like from you're, firsthand, it, it, it's a pretty luxurious <laughs> thing to have that much room when you're 
coming in to land and you've only got two or three inches where the defrost is heating up the, the plexiglass enough that you can see out the front. Um, yeah, no, that's just fine. I almost feel like you're being generous with the eight and a half wide. <laughs> to me, they seem like they're, they're like not much wider than like an Aspen 1000, you know? <laughs> I think they're a little wider than that, but... But like it's, the width of a deck of playing cards on the wide side, like, but it's longer. It's it. You're right. It's longer. It's like, you know, ten inches long or maybe twelve. I don't know. But mm-hmm. man, it seems really thin. Like it, it'd be like trying to land an airplane, looking out through a periscope. <laughs> but but not that good because your eyes aren't up against it to where you have complete vision. You're just trying to focus right through this little porthole in the windshield in front of you. It would be scary. It it beats not having anything. Heck yeah! You know, or Heck you yeah. always hear about guys looking out that they have to look out the side, right? So they slip the plane in, yeah. Point the nose to the right so that they can look out the side window uh, to get it onto the ground. I did that the first time landing at Catalina because I was landing into the sun so bad that I couldn't see the runway anymore. I was like, I just had to land it by looking out the side window. <laughs> I had the I had the instructor with me, so yes. He he was over there to be my second set of eyes. <laughs> that would uh, yeah. The, I met you know maybe you can find a, a partnership or something with a with a plane that fits your uh, mission. Yeah, I I keep coming back to I've got I've got a good deal and it works quite a bit <laughs> of the time. But yeah, you know the people who live in the south or or down by like where you are, you've you've got the right idea. Like when it gets unpleasant and hot. You can fly and get out. You can go someplace north and and go up into the mountains or something and get cooled off. When the weather is nasty enough, you don't want to be there anymore. You can leave. But up here, when the weather is nasty enough that you don't want to be here anymore, you're stuck here. You can't fly. I hear you. Um, And so, like I said, every year this this time of year, I just get real cranky uh, because I can't bring myself to spend the kind of money it takes to have the equipment that I need to get out. <laughs> yeah. It's like 300 days of severe clear here. And other days when it's not most of those days, you wouldn't want to go flying anyways. Cause it's some sort of either wicked monsoon storm or, or whatever. There's a few days that you're going, man, this would be perfect. IFR training days. But uh, yeah. And in, in April to November here, it's completely flyable. You know, other than the thunderstorms and that kind of stuff, but it, it's basically flyable April to November. But boy, you know, in when it's nasty out and you're just like, I really, I really don't want to be here anymore. Um, it would be so nice to be able to fly away for a weekend or something and just go. And- you even got to watch yourself on some of those other months uh, coming coming into that where it's not so bad on the ground, but you know at altitude that that ice is up there even though it's nice outside right yeah in april it's you can get out because you can fly at three four thousand feet right yeah you can fly ifr here from here four thousand feet to anywhere yeah um and it's no problem but there's you can't climb to seven or eight because if there's ifr imc up there you're you're going to be above the freezing level um so you can do it you just have to stay low uh, but staying low here is easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a problem with cumulus granite. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so we don't have anything to hit. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty amazing once uh, when Franz and I were flying to flying to Osh that one year. And like once we passed um, the Rockies, 
Um, I was <laughs> like, holy crap. There is. I was like, how do you navigate? <laughs> it all looks the same. There isn't a mountain to go, hey, that's that or that's that. I was like, now you really got to go, oh, look, there's a railroad. There's mm-hmm. a lake, you know. Th- yep. Otherwise, a it's there's a whole a bunch of, of various green color patches on the ground. Mm-hmm. Welcome to uh, the Flatlands. Yeah. Who knew? (laughs) (laughs) So, well, I think we're uh, uh, about to uh, call it good and maybe stick a fork in it for episode 72. How say you? I say anybody got shout outs? Got one or two. All right, you go I'll first. I'll go first. Okay. Well, first shout out to Mr. Bill Rote, thanks, and Franz for uh, meeting me at uh, uh, for the uh, annual pilgrimage to uh, Catalina, and look forward to doing it again next year, as usual, and maybe a meetup before then if we're lucky. I uh, might be back out there uh, this summer uh, in uh, San Diego again, um, like I did last year. So, looking forward to that. Um, and one more to. Um, the the XP82 team they finally got that sucker running. Did you hear about that? I saw that? that. I saw that. Is that the twin Mustang? Yeah. Yeah. They made its first flight on accident. <laughs> on quote accident. Well, fingers. They weren't quite ready for what that plane was wanting to do once they put once they put you know fifty inches of manifold pressure to it. I guess. Uh, <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, you got two of those beautiful engines uh, spooling up like crazy with a plane that's only, what, one and a third times the weight of two Mustangs? Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. What could happen? Yeah. What did he have left to do other than uh, keep pulling back? Because it wasn't – they were like, uh, we weren't going to get it stopped in time, so let's just go fly. So uh, crossing our fingers, we definitely see it this year at Oshkosh, right? It's the 50th anniversary this year, by the way. That's right. That's of, right. Uh, of of uh, Oshkosh, right? Osh, mm. It being at Oshkosh. Yeah. Uh, no. Period. Period. Even even it when it was started all, in Rockford. Yeah. No, I thought this was the fiftieth of it being in in Osh. Mm. I must have missed missed all no, that. I think I, they you know, saw. Was, I think they switched in the seventies. Yeah, I think I think oh, he's, okay. I think he's right because so it's uh, the air show total fiftieth. Yeah. 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 So I mean, they were they were they had high expectations to get this thing to Oshkosh this year, but didn't quite make it. So didn't make it by a bunch apparently. If they just got it uh, flying uh, this month, so. But anyways, nope, you're right. In Oshkosh, you're right. I'm just looking at uh, AirVenture.org. Yeah. 50th consecutive year of its annual EA AirVenture Oshkosh Flying Convention in Oshkosh in 2019. Cool. It moved in 69, mm. yeah, 53 to, well, it was 53 uh, and was con- in uh, Milwaukee. Um, I was in Rockford, Illinois for a while. In Rockford until 69, for 10 years until 69 and moved to Oshkosh. So there you go. I should be there. There you go. Man, I was... Uh... I was really thinking while we were on this uh, podcast that I was going to be called away and uh, be heading to the hospital. My uh, my daughter's uh, having contractions about every six minutes. I'm I'm any minute now oh, ready boy. to be a grandpa. Is Woo-hoo. that nuts or what, man? That's so, nuts. 
It is crazy. I don't want to think about grandparents. <laughs> uh, uh, grandkids are a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From what I hear. You can hand cool. them back. That's, That's right. right. True. That's right. Here you go. They're all hy- hyped up on sugar and, and, uh, he gets away with far too much of yayas. <laughs> that's how that goes. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, Hope everything goes well, and could be any moment now. So who knows? It might be might be able to get to sleep through the night, or it might be uh, heading to the uh, hospital here shortly. So we'll see. Well, shout out to you and your family. Well, thank you. Thank you. I had uh, I had one shout out uh, to Max Trescott. Uh, and Dan Bass. I don't know if you guys listen to mm-hmm. Max's Aviation News Talk podcast, but he interviewed a guy from uh, Minnesota who uh, flew, was flying along in his Mooney and had, bent unbeknownst the prop. to him, had a, well, he bent more than the prop. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, had that- a CO leak and um, took off. He cleared customs, flew back from Canada into to the U.S. in Duluth, cleared customs and was heading south to go home and uh, succumbed to uh, CO poisoning. And um, his plane was, he was in a full climb. And so he was climbing out at VY and the plane just kept on flying up to the service ceiling. He was on autopilot. Um, Yep. And he was on the autopilot horizontally. Mm-hmm. And uh, the plane climbed out and but it didn't it, it didn't go to full service ceiling though because he was at full rich. Yes, it went to this effective service ceiling for and, his power and full, settings and yeah. full prop at the time. Yeah, yep. And so he uh, he didn't make it all that high, but he burned up all of his fuel on whatever tank he had selected. Uh, overflew Minneapolis. Um, got down near Rochester and the plane ran out of fuel and glided into a field. Uh, and it's a, it's a very harrowing story. Um, luckily for him, he was near Rochester where the Mayo Clinic is, where they have a bariatric, uh, barometric chamber and they could uh, squeeze all the CO back out of his blood. It, it was, you, uh. you, if you have, uh, yeah, we don't want to give away any more. You need to go listen to uh, to Max's uh, podcast. Number one, great podcast, and that story. You you just you'll just it's your riveting. mouth is going to be agape the whole time. It's incredible. Uh, uh, one of a couple of people in 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 history that's walked away from this, and I don't want to say walk exactly, but whatever. Yeah, well, he you did know, walk. He did. Yeah, <laughs> walk, crawl, stumble out of the plane. But yeah, go go see it. it I was blown away. Yeah. Uh, and so you can find that at aviationnewstalk.com and it's uh, episode 90, nine or zero. I invited Max to the uh, to the to the um, fly in <laughs> at, at Catalina, but uh, uh, he wasn't able to make it. He had, uh, was going to be busy over the holidays, of course. <laughs> so very cool. That was it for me. Did you have any others? Not me. How about you, John? No, uh, got nothing. I need to. I need to do some more. Well, with that, go ahead and wrap this up. We're back again. It was nice. It was good chatting with y'all. You too. Likewise. So let's uh, remind everybody where they can find us online, real quick, before we head out. Because I'm sure they've forgotten at this point. So, Chris, mm. <laughs> are we on? <laughs> 
Uh, sure. Uh, if you would like to get in touch with me, feel free to email me at chris at inthepatternpodcast.com. And you can also find me on uh, Twitter at cholubaz, that's C-H-O-L-U-B-A-Z. Uh, and make sure and also hit us up on the uh, on the In the Pattern Podcast Facebook page. And that's Kevin. Another, another satisfied customer. There yeah. you go. We have three listeners. Uh, <laughs> we're up to three. Oh, Brad, how about you? Where can we find you? Uh, you can reach me at brad at inthepatternpodcast.com. You can find me at Brad Kane on the Twitter machine, although uh, you'll rarely find me there these days. Um, and uh, on the Facebook. Um, yeah, I think that about covers it. All right. For me, you can find me online at john at inthepatternpodcast.com. Uh, I am on uh, Twitter at Pilot Conway. Um, mostly that's where I spend my online days. I believe Instagram as well at Pilot Conway. Uh, for all of us, you can find us all at podcast at inthepatternpodcast.com on Twitter as in the pattern or uh, go ahead and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash in the pattern podcast. Uh, show notes for this episode and other episodes can be found on our website at in the pattern podcast.com. And uh, just send us any suggestions, comments, critiques. We'd love to get them and uh, hear what you have to say. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up episode 72 of the In the Pattern podcast. Like, thank y'all for listening. Remember, make left traffic. You're cleared for the option. Happy New Year! Happy New Year!